0: Welcome to the Learn Guitar Podcast on the National Guitar Academy, the podcast that makes you a better guitarist. We're going to share some of our best guitar tips with you today. We'll discuss chords and chord technique. We'll share some lead guitar secrets. We'll tell you how to sound more rhythmic and musical, and we'll also teach you some music theory. I'm your host, Mike Kennedy, and joining me today are Jack Taylor. Who've we got here? We've got a full crew, Rob Soulsby and Andy Hignett. Let's get started with our first segment, Lead Lines. Okay, lead lines is the part of the show where we discuss lead guitar techniques, scales, riffs, solos, and secondary guitar techniques. Okay, today we're going to talk about the role of a lead guitarist. This is super important. Um, Jack, you came up with the idea for this one today. I really like this concept that we're going to discuss. Do you want to just expand on it a little bit?
1: Yeah. So I think when many people think of a lead guitarist in general, they just think about someone who takes solos. You know, those shred guys with like epic you know, hair blowing in the wind. <laughs> I think that's what most people think, but it's really not the case, is yeah. it? So, like, Steve Vai on, yeah. on top of Mount Everest. like. Yeah. I think yeah, he but... actually uses a fan on stage. I've seen him There's like, a genuine fan which Does blows to his hair him back from the yeah. hair lift. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And you have to dash across the stage as well, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think, even though that's the stereotype, it's not the actual case. Like, there's loads of really great lead guitarists who don't do that, who... Yeah. use more chords and stuff to embellish ideas so we kind of wanted to just clear the air a little bit today and figure out you know what is a lead guitarist and what do they actually do fantastic
0: fantastic, fantastic suggestion really good idea andy what do you think like, when you think about a lead guitarist like what's the role of a lead guitarist because we can, you know we can talk about scales and riffs and all mm. these different things but you know at its kind of top level what's yeah. the role of a
2: lead yeah. guitarist well the basic role uh, in contrast to rhythm guitar is where rhythm guitarists are usually playing chords, lead guitarists are usually playing melodies, and they might extend those melodies into mad solos, like Jack was saying, or, and stuff like that, or yeah. all sorts of on-stage antics, but primarily their role is actually to play melody. Rob, how do you see it? The uh, role just, of a lead guitarist?
3: The role of the g- lead guitarist for me is the emotional kind of driver for the music, the With- person who- Without it's, the epic hair. Yeah, so you need more <laughs> because, than, you need more than hair. hair. Uh, yeah, you need more than hair and a funny duck walk or whatever. It's just, yeah, it gives, I think, just the emotion from a sense of humour or like a surging <clears throat> kind yeah. of macho or whatever or something more wistful.
0: It's, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because one of the things I think that you see, you know, like you see here in this discussion that we're having, is that music is, you know, many things to, it's different things to different people. And I think lead guitar is different things to different yeah, people. Sure. It yeah. all depends on where you, how you approach it from. But I think, you know, specifically, you know, in, in my mind, the lead guitarist job it isn't to deliver an amazing solo. That's part of the job. Mm-hmm. The way I see it is, a lead guitarist job is to kind of dip in and out of the song, making valuable contributions. Mm-hmm. So it can be chord based. It yeah. can be single note based stuff. Or, you know, arpeggios or scales or whatever it might be. But in some ways it's useful to have like the definitions, isn't it? Rhythm guitarist, lead guitarist, bass guitarist. But in some ways I think that can make people think in terms that are too narrow. Mm. You know, so if you think about a really expressive lead guitarist, Jack, mm-hmm. what are you seeing from them? What are they doing on stage? What's a great example of a well rounded lead guitarist to you?
1: I just think someone who isn't too overbearing (laughs) like someone who's just like if the I think a great lead guitarist is someone who sits in within the band not someone who's going hey I'm here look I'm here I'm playing lead guitar you know pay attention it's someone who sits back and plays something which is you know going to add character to the song song, not which something is going to be way too much yeah
0: a lead
1: guitarist who's a team player that's like that's quite
0: rare actually it's quite rare but yeah okay so let's, let's talk about some specific steps that people can follow to ensure that they, they become a well-rounded lead guitarist. You know, so obviously we want people to, uh, they need to have great chord knowledge, I think, you know, mm-hmm. not, just, not just scale knowledge. But in terms of scales,
2: Andy, what scales are essential for a lead guitarist yeah. to know? Yeah, Well, the, the first scale I would show to anyone would be a pentatonic scale. I think if, if you only ever learn one scale, it should be that. You should learn more than one, but if you only learn one, that should be the one you learn.
0: So, like, classic, minor pentatonic, yeah. that's where you would suggest people yeah. start. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then where would you suggest they go next? From there, we'd probably go for major scale, I think full major scale. Awesome. Um, okay, so minor pentatonic to begin with, yeah. full major scale next. Yeah. Then where would they? Would you suggest they go? Uh, and probably to the natural minor, I think would be the, the next step. Okay, cool. So, natural minor scale, yeah. and then... You know, like,
2: after that, where do you think they need to go? What do, you, what would you suggest? What happens next? Uh, but beyond that, if they're still really keen to learn more scales, uh, things like modes are quite good to look at.
0: Awesome. Okay, so there's a really nice pathway there yeah. that Andy's just laid out. So from a scale yeah. point of view, minor pentatonic, major scale, minor scale, mm. and then you can get into some modes and yeah. run, run wild with all yeah. of that stuff. Rob, when you think about lead guitarists that you admire, hmm. what kind of things do you see in their play that you know inspire you or connect with you emotionally or make you want to you know uh, replicate what they're doing or you know what's you know I I don't want to get too bogged down with scales I think that's important but there's more to it than that
3: I can I think in some ways it's all about placement of notes knowing when to play that particular set of notes and it can just be one note literally and how long you leave it to to uh, resonate or to to sustain and it can be simple like that but to me it's not about volume of notes no no for lead guitar it's about the placement because it could be a little a fill if you like like in drumming but with guitar you could have a fill a lead fill just at the end of of a, a line of a verse yeah and i think that's the bit that that hooks you as well and having a good hook i would say a good
0: riff or a hook that can make it jack what are some of the things that like lead guitarists you know that you want to see them so we've spoke about scales we spoke about not just having a high volume of notes mm-hmm. but picking these shots basically is what rob suggested mm-hmm. what are the other things that are the, before we wrap up this se- section what are the other things that you'd like to see from uh, someone who wants to become an epic
1: your lead guitarist i think kind of like um going on from what rob was saying but just space and awareness like One thing which I've always done from playing in bands and stuff is I never get in the way of a vocalist or something. When it comes to bands, as far as I'm concerned, the vocalist is the main person in the band. You're the person who's kind of supporting them and propping them up. And you never want to hear, like, while someone is singing the guitar over the top of it, like in a verse or something. It just sounds awful. But you can pick the moments in between when they don't sing. That's when you can just... You know, adding adding a little garnish or something like that, and it's yeah. just it's really helpful and it helps your phrasing and it helps you sound much better because you're not getting away. It's like when you have everyone has that one person, but in there is when you try and speak and they're just like chit chatting all, <laughs> all the time. It's usually and me. <laughs> <laughs> but like you, you can't get a, 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 a word in edgeways, can you? So and yeah. it's horrible because you're like trying to speak. Yeah. But like, um, and it's the same thing with Lee Guitar, you need to. Give it space, you know. Yeah. Let it breathe a little bit. There's,
0: there's etiquette, isn't it? There's there's, there's, there's mm-hmm, etiquette yeah. in in you know yeah. in any social interaction. But you know, if you're playing with other musicians, I mean, that would be actually that would be a great topic for a future podcast. Would be, yeah. you know, how to yeah. jam. You know, yeah. like how yeah. to interact with other musicians. Just two final things that I'd throw in here would be, from a lead guitar point of view, it's incredibly useful. In fact, I'd say it's essential that you understand keys. So we've not really discussed it in great detail today, you know, but. But two things that I w- would really recommend anybody who wants to be a really competent lead guitarist does is learn and understand about keys. And also make sure that you understand the cage system so as that you've got great chord knowledge because that massively enhances a lead guitarist. So, yeah, we've covered a lot of ground here, haven't we? We've spoke about scales, how you make solos work, you know, the etiquette of being a lead guitarist, not taking over. And, yeah, the CAGE system and understanding keys. So I hope you found that useful, guys. For each podcast, we create a bonus pack that expands on what we've discussed in the episode. Each bonus pack includes video lessons, diagrams, chord boxes, links, and practice material that build on the things we've discussed in the podcast. There's only so much that we can explain through audio, and sometimes it's easier to show you stuff, and that's where the bonus packs come in handy. To download the bonus pack for this episode, go to nationalguitaracademy.com slash podcast3. And Jack, what's in the bonus pack for lead lines for this episode?
1: So there'll be some um, links to some really great articles on lead guitar playing and how you can, you know, make that journey and go go forward from there. Also some really good examples of some lead guitar playing. Okay, cool. Okay, now we're going to move on to the next part of today's show, which is Quick
0: chords. Quick chords. Quick Chords Quick is the part of the show when we discuss chords and chord technique. Okay, uh, Jack, we've got a cool uh, cool chord that we're going to share with people this week and then we're going to speak about a interesting piece of chord, chordal technique. Um, run through this chord, dude. I really like this one.
1: So this chord's a G major 7, so here's what it sounds like. Nice. So it's a little bit unconventional in the way that it's played, but the basic tab for it is um, 3, 2, 0, 0, 0, 2. Really and nice. Really nice chord that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and where do you,
0: where would you see that chord crop up? Like, you know, nice code to have in your locker. Mm-hmm. It's not that often that you
1: see no. it or hear it. Um, but how would you use that one, Mike? Give us a bit of... I mean, like, I, t- I tend to quite like it for just you know, open chord stuff to add a little bit of a variety to so like a normal G chord. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's just it's got a real a dem- nice movement to it there. It's got a nice feel, hasn't it? It's got a
0: really nice feel to that one. Um, just so you understand that, guys, you know, Jack's just kind of spelled out the tab of that chord, but you'll be able to see the chord box for that chord in the bonus pack for this episode. Okay, the next thing that we were going to discuss here was um, people often get in touch with us and ask how they can enhance or embellish the chords so we thought it'd be really useful to just have a quick chat about um you know like when you were playing chords what we can do to um I think what people are driving at when they ask that question is things that they can add to that above and beyond just the chord voicing um uh, Rob what would like when you're, you're you know you're playing the acoustic at home you're playing a chord progression that you've played a million times you want to make it a bit more snazzy what type of things do, do you do?
3: The first thing I would do is have a go at lifting fingers on and off. So have hammer ons, just and play around with that and what kind of effect it has. Also, you could play around with the voicings. So, as we've said previously, if you think of a chord as having a bass, a medium, and a treble section, yeah, you can think how you
0: voice them just from the basic chord. So okay. You do just, sorry, Rob. Just to jump in there, let's just give people an example of how that sounds. So, if we think, of, so here's an E minor chord. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what, what we discussed there was like using hammer on. So for people that aren't familiar with the technique, that's when you just lift one of your fingers off and then and then press your finger, pluck it and then press your finger down. So you actually pluck once, but we hear two two notes. So that's a really great way to turn this into this. So anytime that you're raising your fingers off the notes there and bringing them down that's a hammer on and doing it in reverse that's a pull off so that's a re so if we show that in context so like an e minor if i was strumming e minor like this okay so that sounds okay but if i try a couple of hammer ons in there Just sounds much more interesting doesn't it all of yeah. a sudden it's like oh there's something happening in yeah. there you know so i think hammer-ons are probably the easiest way to embellish your chords um because it doesn't require you do anything more than you're sort of already doing <laughs> like yeah. yeah you've already yeah. got those fingers there in the right place holding the chord and as a general rule if you're whatever chord you're playing as a very rough rule you can usually hammer on one of the notes that you're holding that's for open chords doesn't work for every chord but for most chords that you play if you just experiment with raising one of your fingers off usually probably about 75 percent of the time that'll sound okay jack give me some other ideas so like chord embellishments Mm -hmm. making a chord progression sound a bit more textured a bit more variety what can we do
1: so kind of really cool thing which I used to do quite a lot is you don't actually have to strum all the time. What you can do is if you're playing, say your chord progression was like E minor to G, so what you could do to kind of bring it to life a little bit is just pick individual notes from it. Just gives it a little bit of texture I, I used to use it loads when i was doing like open mic nights and singer-songwriter type stuff because it would just break up Great the idea. song and it would yeah. and it mean by strumming for three minutes like it's just a really good way of doing that yeah, yeah
0: that's i mean that's i think that's really fun, a fundamental and very useful point you've made there mate you know it's just that chords don't have to be presented as like a wall of sound mm. you know it's often much more interesting if you just target certain parts of the chord yeah. or even break it down into almost like arpeggio form as yeah. you just played there it's much more interesting <laughs> to listen to isn't it
1: <laughs> even if you combine that with like the hammer on stuff as well go, yeah.
2: it really yeah. becomes alive yeah it's good yeah. um
1: and
0: is there anything we've missed here mate so yeah,
2: well I, i'm quite a big fan of um different voicings of chords so if we have like a, bi- a big, a big load of D in yeah. a song rather than just rather than just like the wall of sound, like you say, it's yeah. a big generic wall of D, what we can sometimes do <laughs> the is a wall of D. Yeah, <laughs> but we can start with that D, move move up to some yeah, so sort of nice. move up to some other voicings. And that's all one chord, but it sounds quite varied okay
0: so that sounded awesome yeah. so let's just make that clear to people what you were doing there so you were playing different voicings of d so yeah. we just we had like low d mid d high d yeah you kind of move through them there and yeah. we got that kind of there was a much uh, much more interesting spectrum wasn't there yeah within that yeah much more interesting range okay so in the bonus pack for today's episode jack what have we got in the bonus pack for uh, for the quick
1: chord section so we'll um provide the Chord box for the G major 7 chord as well as the other chord boxes that Andy was just discussing. Okay. And perfect.
0: And I think we're also going to chuck in some uh we're also gonna do a video, aren't we, that catches some of mm-hmm. those kind of hammer ons, hammer-on techniques that we can use. Okay, cool. Now we're gonna move on to the next section of the show, which is tips and advice. You've got Tips and advice is the part of the show when we answer your questions about guitar and music culture. If you've got a question for us, please email us at podcast at nationalguitaracademy.com and we'll try our best to help you out. Okay, so we've got an email here from John Bridgehouse that says, Hi Mike, just got together with two other guitarists. We are now all on acoustic. Need some ideas how to make the sound uh, of what we're playing sound fuller and more interesting rather than just three blokes strumming the same chords. Okay, <laughs> so, Great question there from John um, Thanks, for, John. Thanks very much for, for sending that in because I know this is something that will help a lot of other people. Um, I think, you know, the first thing that jumps to mind for me is that it's really important when you get together with other musicians. Like, there's a classic pathway that all guitarists follow when they start playing with other musicians. To begin with, you all just play the same thing, <laughs> which is exactly what you've said it's here comforting. in the question. No. Well, you like know, because you, you, you don't really know how to, what extra stuff you can do. No. But what I'd say is, Three people playing an acoustic, an acoustic guitar, all playing the same chords. Um, that's going to sound very monotonous. And yeah, we spoke earlier about the wall of D, you know, yes. but that's going to be like a real wall of sound. It's really important when you play with other people that you're clear on what roles each person is contributing. So you don't have to go, you know, rhythm guitar, lead guitar, bass guitar, um, but it's important that one person, you know, holds it down with, you know, a kind of more fuller chord sound. Um, and then other people can kind of break off and add different parts, right? So let's, let's get specific on this, right? So let's say guitarist number one, whoever that might be. So let's say that's you, John, and you're playing a chord progression, which is just G to C, for example. So let's say it was something like. Let's say it was something like that, G to C, and then G, and then D. So if everyone plays the same thing, it's going to sound pretty samey. But let's explore some different techniques that we could use there. Right, so Jack, what jumps to mind for you? So if guitarist number one is Mm -hmm. playing exactly what
1: I was just playing, what could guitarist
0: number two do in that scenario?
1: So the first thing I would try and do is just add a little bit of embellishment and maybe play some different kind of chords. I mean, you don't have to play go crazy with different voicings but you could use the same chords and just pick individual different parts of it so do you want to just quickly demonstrate
0: okay so what you're going to play here is you're going to target some different parts of those chords yeah just like different sections okay so let's do that so I won't play if you can just play again yep. uh, jack. just just go around once with just what you were playing and what i want people to hear here is how sparse it is at times yeah, yeah, yeah. okay let's give it a try nice lots of silence yeah <laughs> <laughs> lots of silence so mm-hmm. i hope that people can hear from that that you know what jack was playing alone there Maybe wouldn't really carry a full track by any means, but what we're doing here is we're contributing different things in different layers that overall adds up to a better overall sound. Andy, when you you know like when you think about this, so imagine you've got three students in a room. Yeah, they're all got their acoustics. They're all dead keen. You know, yeah. they all want to get cracking and contribute something. Yeah, like what guidance would you give them beyond what we've suggested here?
2: Yeah. I mean, if you've got three guitarists, that can be a bit crowded. And if if someone's not willing to play bass, what you could do is maybe say, okay, well, we've got someone doing rhythm guitar and someone doing more kind of lead guitar like we had there. But the other guitar, I suppose, we could fit in doing maybe rhythm guitar as well, but with some higher-up voicings. Nice. Or or maybe just play some arpeggios and that kind of thing. Great suggestion. Um, So it sort of gives us a lot of different textures.
0: Really, really good idea. So I guess specifically, John, just to give you like a specific example that you can follow... You know, so number one, I would say you need to define some roles of who's going to do what, so you don't all just play the same chords. Number two, make the chord progression clear to everybody that's there, so everybody understands what they're doing, and give people time to figure out what a different voicing of that might be. So next step, I would say number three would be experiment with targeting different parts of the same chords. So you might be playing the exact same chords, but you're just specifically targeting, you know, I don't know, higher, higher or lower notes within that chord. And I guess step number four would be try some completely different voicings of that chord. So you've got quite a few things there that you can experiment with. But basically it's about trying to make all three people contribute something unique. Isn't it really? That's yeah, what we, yeah. we well, want to do. I would
3: also suggest you record yourselves. So you basically see what you sound like together and then play yeah. around with that. Because when you listen back critically it's different to when you're listening when you're playing. Yeah, you'll f- see the whole audio landscape of what you've achieved so you can see where it might need something taken away you might want oh well i think a bass a little bit of baseline is there or a little bit of a very high treble
0: the other thing is um, i think sometimes when you're in the zone especially if you're a bit a, a relatively new guitarist is you can be really nervous when you're playing yeah and you can't necessarily hear what was good or what was bad or mm-hmm. so that's a good idea of recording it and it gives you a bit of perspective doesn't it on what you've done
3: and it also does when you're playing with other people you do tend to in that situation to in with listen to yourself you get the general gist of where your group's going but you listen to yourself too much probably Yeah. so it's good to be able to listen to how the whole ensemble sounds together and then you can see which role actually needs you know the dynamics of it
0: fiddling around with a really good suggestion that's when you get to like Argue about well, why don't you just drop out there and just let me play this? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> really a, really you, fun. It's but, a, you know, critical know. listening
3: is that is absolutely essential if you're going to be in a, a jam. Or a, it, it, yeah, a, it degrees. is, it's just,
0: and it's it's quite hard to be critical or objective yeah. when you're yeah. focusing so much on what you're doing. Yeah. Okay, great. So I hope that that helps, John. Really great question, and I hope we've given you some new things to think about there. I guess it's just about making sure that each person is playing something different to the other one that still contributes. Um, and hopefully if you follow those tips, you should find that, you know, you've got a, a decent framework there to just kind of nudge you onto the next level of, uh, of jamming skill. Okay, the next question we've got here is from Miguel Gallego. And Miguel has written in, thank you, Miguel. The question is, hi, Mike. Thanks for the opportunity to chime in. I struggle with daily practice, finding the time and figuring out what to work on to make improvements. It all seems piecemeal. Do you have suggestions for planning and executing a practice routine? So another fantastic question. Thank you so much for sending that in. Okay, right. This one's going straight to Jack because <laughs> Jack is the practice machine, um, <laughs> and I think that Miguel will probably get the most from you on this one, Jack. Okay. So um, yeah. So what, what 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 would you suggest?
1: So first, let's let's tackle it one by one. So if you're struggling with daily practice and finding the time, what I would do with your week is Look at your whole week as a whole, and find the specific times when you're free, and target those times as to when you're going to practice. And if you can find specific times in the week when you're going to do it, that you're more likely to achieve it on a day-to-day basis. So, for example, for me, because I work every day from around nine to half five, the time which I have every day is my lunch time, and I get half an hour at lunch. So, finding I'm not doing other stuff, but that's when I do my practice. Okay, if you if you want to figure out what to work on, you need to have, like... A goal in place think about what you want to achieve this can be anything it could be maybe you want to learn a chords to a song which you really love maybe you want to work on, work on your lead guitar technique it doesn't matter and but when you're thinking of a goal one of the most important things I think for you to figure out is to have something which you thoroughly enjoy so mine yeah. at the moment is to learn a guitar solo which I like just because it's fun and, you know it's yeah good stuff and but have that goal in mind and just have that as your main goal and that'll help you structure everything which comes underneath underneath it which is where like stuff like sub goals come in and even smaller sub goals. yeah so
0: that's what i was i was hoping that you cover that offer so i think that's a great first suggestion mate is like have a goal because yeah. <laughs> i think a lot of guitarists don't other than to just learn the guitar or to yeah. have fun or whatever but i think having a defined goal i think is really important but like mm-hmm. you're really me- methodical about this jack so yeah like, if you were going to... Could could you give us an example of what one of your goals would be and what the sub-goals would be yeah. and how you would approach that? Because I think what Miguel's looking for here, I think, is a kind of really structured kind of yeah, yeah, plan yeah. that he can follow, you know. So so for other people who want to learn in that same way, mm-hmm. can you
1: could you give us an example? Yeah, so let's say, for example, like, your main goal is going to be I want to learn song X. Let's say it's Stand By Me, Right. So the first port of call is you should probably learn the chords. So the chords to "Stand By Me": a G, C, E minor, and D. Yeah. So a sub goal could be for that could be I'm going to learn a G chord today. Yeah. The second one could be I could learn an E minor on the next one, C next one, D. So you're um, really breaking it down. Yeah, yeah, and but you know you could learn all of those in one practice session, but start doing like little sub chords like that really helps. It be concise and be productive.
0: It makes things bite-sized. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. And then another example of a song with a, a goal would be to learn the strumming pattern, or to, um, you know, learn the song structure or something like that. Yeah. So you're kind of assembling all the different like bits that you need to
0: yeah. build this overall yeah, thing, yeah. aren't you? I think it kind. I think some people maybe, or certainly speaking personally, I don't really perceive music in that kind of. I need component A, component B and component C but I think that's a really useful way to approach Mm -hmm. it for people who are of that mindset. Andy you know you've always got some good sort of you know practice tips for students I've noticed that in the past from lessons that we've done like what advice would you give to Miguel here yeah you know he he obviously wants to get the most out of his practice time how should he approach it?
2: Yeah well I I always think it's you know how often you practice is important but it's what you do in that Mm -hmm. practice time Ultimately, makes the difference. So, if you only find you've got five minutes to practice in a day, make sure that you prioritise what you're going to practice, and make sure you make the most of those five minutes. I mean, ideally, you want to practice more than that, but if that's all you've got time for, yeah, make sure you make the most of those five minutes.
0: Be clear on
2: be clear on the goal. I think that's the
0: message that's coming through here, isn't it? Set a goal, you know, and have that in mind. Rob, what do you think? Like, I mean, yeah, as I said, you know, speaking personally, for me, I've never really had a practice routine or regime you know maybe that's why I was so bad for so long <laughs> on the guitar you know but, <laughs> but you know I never had like a, a practice that you know goal my, my goal was just have fun rock out dude you know like that was my yeah. sort of outlook yeah.
3: now for um, me I think you've got to because it's a physical uh, process playing guitar you've got to treat it like a, a form of exercise in a physical way so I, I would recommend you have a kind of three part practice where you have a warm up where you hit the spot that you want to and then you have a kind of ease off cool down or warm down section because especially when you're just uh, starting out it takes a toll on your fingers your fingertips your forearms or shoulders so making sure you're warmed up and you've you've got that flexibility and also by having a slight warm up it gets you in tune with the guitar and the whole sound of what it is you want to achieve before you address it so it's an orientation kind of
0: thing there's loads of good advice there. I wish you three had told me that like 20, <laughs> 20 years ago because there's so much good advice there. Yeah. Um, I hope that helps Miguel. There's certainly you know tons and tons of, of wisdom in what the guys have said there. But, I mean, for people who you know maybe are a bit more like me and kind of don't really like the idea of kind of practice time, you know, and being structured about things. I guess I would say um, you know just follow the things that you're really really passionate about in music because. Some people, um, you know, just don't perceive, they don't come to the guitar from a place of achievement. Mm-hmm. You know, they come to it as an escape mm-hmm. or they come to it as a way to relax or express themselves. And and sometimes the idea of structured practice, it isn't compatible with that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but it's hard, isn't it? Because yeah. structured practice is what makes you better, yeah. which will make you you know, much more likely to be able to achieve the goals you want. So I think you do definitely need a bit of practice in there. Okay, in the bonus pack for this segment, what you're going to find is uh, I've got a really useful video there from a guy I found on YouTube called Jim Lil with some practice tips, which is really cool. We'll include a link to that. And also uh, we'll include uh, some core boxes for some movable shapes that will help out with uh, John's question. And also we're going to include some uh, chord practice drills, a very structured program uh, that we put together there. Uh, which will be useful for Miguel. So if you want to check them out go to nationalguitaracademy.com/podcast3. Okay now we're going to move on to the next part of today's show which is rhythm section. Rhythm,
1: rhythm, rhythm.
0: Rhythm section is the part of the show when we discuss how to boost your rhythmic ability and make your guitar playing sound more musical. Okay, cool. So this week we're going to talk about
1: hybrid picking. Jack, explain to us what it is. What's hybrid picking? So basically, hybrid picking is when you have your thumb placed like you normally would if you're using a your plectrum, but you're also using your your second, third and fourth finger as well to pick the other strings. So you have two options. It's like... Okay, so we're, so we're holding a pick in our hand. Yeah.
0: And but we're also finger picking at the same time. Yeah. Right? yeah. So that blows my mind completely. So <laughs> like how do we do that? Can you explain that to people? Like people will be listening to this who've mm-hmm. never heard
1: of it and they'll be thinking,
0: How can I play with a pick and my fingers at the same yeah. time?
1: So like usually you kind of use the pick more on the bass. No, it's kind of like what you would do with finger picking but you're using a pick instead.
0: Okay, so, so- instead of using our thumb to finger pick, yeah. We're
1: using the guitar pick mm-hmm. for those. Okay. Yeah, so like as a general rule, like this can always change, but just to get started, just kind of um, assign your, your pick to your low E string, your A string, and your D string, and then your, the rest of your fingers to the top strings. So that's the G string, B, and E, just to kind of get around the guitar a bit. Okay.
0: And this is, um, just before you give us an example of that, Jack, This is a technique that's sometimes referred to as chicken picking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing, Mm -hmm. but we're using a slightly more, like, cool sounding, like, serious note hybrid picking. Yeah, It's also chicken picking. Yeah. Okay, so give give us an example of how that sounds.
1: So, like, here's, like, what it would sound like using chords. So it's often used with country guys when I go... Or often people will use it for stuff like blues... genre like it's just an it's a really useful asset so what's the benefit
0: of it like what's like because obviously it's like really quite fiddly to do yeah you know it requires people to learn a really sort of unusual technique Mm -hmm. you know using the pick and the fingers what's the benefit jack what do we get from hybrid picking that we don't get from you know alternate picking or finger picking
1: i personally think hybrid pickings quicker than stuff like alternate picking and um, stuff like finger picking as well just because you've got more f- things making contact with the strings yeah yeah and like you've just got more kind of options with it really even though finger picking is great for adding texture hybrid picking goes that extra mile in many ways because you can still you get vary the, attack the tick from yeah? the break, you get, yeah. but you can still go you know, there's a huge difference between and attack and yeah. softness but you still have that bit more range combination yeah exactly a bit more yeah. range okay yeah. Yeah. yeah I get it now
0: I never properly understood the appeal, but yeah, I guess that's it, isn't it? There's a, there's a more range in how you can actually, uh, you know, make contact with the strings. Yeah, yeah so it gives you a bit, more, a bit more leeway. Really cool. Okay, in the bonus pack for today's episode, you'll find some hybrid picking exercises. Uh, it's just a short article on that that will help you understand that. And I've got some specific tabs there so you can have a stab at this. And we'll also include a link to a video that will be useful. So to check out the bonus pack for this episode, again, the web address for that is nationalguitaracademy.com slash podcast3. Okay, now we're going to move on to Theory Tips. This is the part of the show where we share some bite-sized music theory tips. Okay, this week we're going to discuss something that's, I would say, absolutely essential knowledge for anybody who has an interest in lead guitar. And I'd say it's useful knowledge for people that maybe you know aren't necessarily like you know shredders, but they still want to understand how the guitar works. Um, so we often hear, as you know, if you're a guitar learner, Andy. So let's say you're a novice guitarist, you often hear about scales getting bandied around all the time. Yeah. So we hear about the major scale, we hear about the minor scale, but we also hear about the major pentatonic, yeah. the minor pentatonic, and it can get quite confusing for people because yeah. it's like it just sounds so like highbrow yeah. and impenetrable impenetrable yeah. and people kind of get confused can you just explain what the relationship is between those four scales that i just explained yeah, well, i just it's, mentioned
2: yeah, well, it's like, so i used to be quite scared of scales because you heard all these different scales mentioned it just seemed like a minefield of of infinite patterns of notes that yeah. I was supposed to learn, but how many scales are yeah. there? It's like, yeah, a million, yeah. The best place to start is with the pentatonic. So do, do, try not to think about any of the scales and just start on the pentatonics. Yeah. And um, the major pentatonic is a simplified version of the full major scale. And it's simpler in terms that it's got less notes, so it's easier to play, but it's also easier to use. And, and similar with the minor pentatonic. If you learn uh, minor pentatonic, that's a simpler version of the minor scale. Okay. So so the I guess the key point
0: there is that we don't want people to think that the major scale is a different scale mm. to the major pentatonic. Yeah. The major pentatonic is the major scale but yeah. just in a bridged form. Yeah. So the major pentatonic scale is the major scale with two notes taken out. Yeah. So, yeah, so for example, say you've had the the major scale of C.
3: The notes of that scale there's C D E F G A B and back to C again. Yeah. So what basically you do is, that's eight notes, pentatonic, penta meaning five, you strip that back to the five essential notes of that scale. So you've got C, D, E, G and A, and back to C again. And the beauty of that is because most scales, major scales or minor scales, they seem to have awkward notes or notes that can interfere and and cause problems, disharmony, if you like. So for example, in the, the C scale, when you're playing that, b and f are often what you call awkward notes yeah, that yeah. can cause problems especially if you're doing some kind of lead you suddenly hit a b or an f in the middle of a lead it can cause awkward moments yeah, yeah. in terms of sound so <laughs> i like that it can yeah.
0: cause awkward moments mm. yeah, so like
3: whereas that, if you've got yeah. just you, you're just playing in the uh, pentatonic you don't t-
0: tend to ever go out of tune literally yeah. so there are the pentatonic scales are much more forgiving yes and they're more portable. They can be moved yeah, yeah, around yeah. the guitar neck yeah. in a way where you're going to be much more or less likely to encounter those yeah. awkward moments. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so really cool. I hope that's helpful, guys, because I know that a lot of people struggle with kind of scales and how it all fits together. But I hope that's useful that you can now see that really the best way to think of this is just it's either the major scale or the minor scale. And if you want to make them easier to play and more portable, you can play those two scales in their pentatonic forms. In the bonus pack for today's episode, you'll find some really cool tabs of all of the scales that we've discussed there, but also some full neck diagrams so you can see like where those scales are on the whole guitar neck. That'll be really, really useful. And again, to get that, go to nationalguitaracademy.com podcast3. Okay, now we're going to move on to the last part of the show, which is One Last Thing. One last thing before
1: you go. One last thing before you go
0: one last thing is the part of the show where we leave you with a parting gift something randomly cool or interesting about music or guitar culture okay jack what's your one last thing for today's episode
1: so um this week i've been trying to gauge a little bit of extra inspiration for my own playing and stuff so i made a conscious decision to go back and listen to some of the music which i used to love when i was first learning guitar so the two kind of main artists which i used to listen to loads of people like um Carlos Santana was a huge musical influence nice. of mine when I Good was a one. kid, yeah. and then um, the old school like Hendrix records as well, stuff like that. So just been diving into those. So I guess my kind of one last thing would be to find out who your musical heroes are and trying to, you know, listen to them on a regular basis. And even if you want go go out and try and see them because that really helps you know amplify your view of your musical heroes. Yeah. When you get to see them in a the live you know environment. Really cool. Really cool.
0: Thanks for that, mate. Yeah, I think they're like two you know, different guitarists, but they've got a similar thing going on, I think. Yeah, it's the, the, like, like the
1: whole improv thing, isn't it? And, you know, they like are just f- going... Yeah, they're going a bit mental for <laughs> <something like laughs> yeah. improvising. Yeah,
0: really cool. I'm pleased you've done that, mate, just to kind of like... Because I think there's a danger, isn't there, after a while, especially as you become an advanced guitarist, that you can you can lose sight of that yeah. original... like. You know inspiration or love or like whatever it was that got you fired up to learn in the yeah. first place yeah that's really cool i like that one
2: andy what's uh, what's your one last thing uh well and as well as playing guitar i also play the banjo and the mandolin but i don't play them anything like as well as i play the guitar so i've been <laughs> practicing those to try and improve on those a little bit
0: nice yeah. okay so your recommendation would be that people explore some other stringed instruments yeah. What about the ukulele? Does the ukulele get a look in? Get a look in here, or are you like mandolin and banjo yeah. only? Well, I have a
2: ukulele as well, but I haven't played that for a while, so I should probably yeah also find some time to practice that. Yeah,
0: really yeah. cool. One of the good things I think about playing other stringed instruments is that you can bring a lot of the skills that you have from the guitar over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you might have to relearn diff- you know, new chord shapes, mm. um, but you've like you've got lots of that kind of muscle memory and dexterity, yeah. so but you get to you explore it with a completely different voicing, don't you? Yeah. Really cool. Rob, what's your one last thing? Well,
3: I've been convalescing after an operation on my shoulder, so haven't been able to actually partake in something musical. However, I have seen an intriguing message left on the robertplant.com website which says, "Anytime time now. Mm. So rumours arrive about, it. does it hint at a Led Zeppelin reunion? The Great so, Conjunction, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, like so, it's finally happening.
0: Yeah. So who knows? That's what I've been just getting excited about. Yeah, the dream. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the dream. Uh, My one last thing for this week would be uh, just a recommendation that if you're interested in guitar in any way, shape or form, and you must be if you're you're, you're at the end of this podcast about (laughs) learning the guitar, um, I would recommend that you check out a film, or actually a documentary called It Might Get Loud. You may be familiar with this. It was a a documentary that was made in 2008, and it's basically got uh, Jimmy Page, The Edge and Jack White, they kind of sit around and discuss guitar playing and their approach to the instrument, Um, and I just loved it. I've only watched it once, actually, but I've got to watch it again because I just loved it so much, you know, just seeing a sort of window into their world Mm -hmm. and them kind of uh, talking about how they perceive the instrument, you know, and, like, very different guitarists as well, all three of them, you know, but, um, yeah, absolutely love it. So if you're interested in guitar music in any way, shape, or form, Uh, definitely definitely check out it might get loud okay thanks for joining us today folks please let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at podcast at nationalguitaracademy.com. this is your podcast and we want to help you so please let us know what you think works well in the show and what could be better remember you can get daily guitar tips by following us on our facebook page which is facebook.com slash national guitar academy and lastly if you've enjoyed the show please leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. Five-star reviews will help the show grow and help other guitar learners find our work. So if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to help us out, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a review. Thanks so much for your support and we'll see you again next time. each podcast we create a bonus pack that expands on what we've discussed in the episode each bonus pack includes video lessons diagrams chord boxes links and practice material that build on the things we've discussed in the podcast there's only so much that we can explain through audio and sometimes it's easier to show you stuff and that's where the bonus packs come in handy to download the bonus pack for this episode go to nationalguitaracademycom slash podcast three